He ran the restorer's ID badge through the magnetic card swipe and motioned for him to pass through the metal detector. When the machine emitted a shrill pinging, the restorer stopped in his tracks and nodded wearily at the gendarme's computer. On the screen, next to the restorer's unsmiling photograph, was a special notice written by the chief of the Vatican Security Office. The gendarme read it twice to make certain he understood it correctly, then, looking up, found himself staring directly into the restorer's unusually green eyes. Something about the calmness of his expression and the hint of a mischievous smile caused the officer to give an involuntary shiver. He nodded toward the next set of doors and watched intently as the restorer passed through them without a sound. So, the gendarme thought, the rumors were true. Gabriel Alon renowned restorer of old master paintings, retired Israeli spy and assassin, and savior of the Holy Father, had returned to the Vatican. With a single keystroke, the officer cleared the file from the screen. Then he made the sign of the cross, and for the first time in many years, recited the act of contrition. It was an odd choice, he thought, because he was guilty of no sin other than curiosity. But surely that was to be forgiven. After all, it wasn't every day a lowly Vatican policeman had the chance to gaze into the face of a legend. Fluorescent lights, dimmed to their night settings, hummed softly as Gabriel entered the main conservation lab of the Vatican picture gallery. As usual, he was the first to arrive. He closed the door and waited for the reassuring thud of the automatic locks, then made his way along a row of storage cabinets toward the floor-to-ceiling black curtains at the far end of the room. A small sign warned the area beyond the curtains was strictly off-limits. After slipping through the breach, Gabriel went immediately to his trolley and carefully examined the disposition of his supplies. His containers of pigment and medium were precisely as he had left them. So were his Windsor & Newton Series 7 sable brushes, including the one with a telltale spot of azure near the tip that he always left at a precise, thirty-degree angle relative to the others. It suggested the cleaning staff had once again resisted the temptation to enter his workspace. He doubted whether his colleagues had shown similar restraint. In fact, he had it on the highest authority that his tiny, curtained enclave had displaced the espresso machine in the break room as the most popular gathering spot for museum staff. He removed his leather jacket and switched on a pair of standing halogen lamps. The Deposition of Christ widely regarded as Caravaggio's finest painting, glowed under the intense white light. Gabriel stood motionless before the towering canvas for several minutes, hand pressed to his chin, head tilted to one side, eyes fixed on the haunting image. Nicodemus, muscular and barefoot, stared directly back as he carefully lowered the pale, lifeless body of Christ toward the slab of funerary stone where it would be prepared for entombment. Next to Nicodemus, was John the Evangelist, who, in his desperation to touch his beloved teacher one last time, had inadvertently opened the wound in the Savior's side. Watching silently over them were the Madonna and the Magdalene, their heads bowed, while Mary of Cleophas raised her arms toward the heavens in lamentation. It was a work of both immense sorrow and tenderness, made more striking by Caravaggio's revolutionary use of light. Even Gabriel, who had been toiling over the painting for weeks, always felt as though he were intruding on a heartbreaking moment of private anguish. The painting had darkened with age, 
particularly along the left side of the canvas, where the entrance of the tomb had once been clearly visible. There were some in the Italian art establishment, including Giacomo Benedetti, the famed Caravaggisto from the Instituto Centrale per il Restauro, who wondered whether the tomb should be returned to prominence. Benedetti had been forced to share his opinion with a reporter from La Repubblica, because the restorer chosen for the project had, for inexplicable reasons, failed to seek his advice before commencing work. What's more, Benedetti found it disheartening that the museum had refused to make public the restorer's identity. For many days, the papers had bristled with familiar calls for the Vatican to lift the veil of silence. 